Thank you for taking time to listen to this sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church and of our campus in Lexington, Kentucky. It is our prayer that as you listen today, you will be encouraged, challenged, and equipped to be all God has for you. We invite you to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at either 8.30 or 11 o'clock a.m., at our Todd's Road campus near the Hamburg area of Lexington. And now, may you be blessed as we give our attention to the reading of God's Word. The reading this morning comes from the book of Matthew, chapter 28. Early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake, For an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone, and sat on it. His face shone like lightning, and his clothing was as white as snow. The guards shook with fear when they saw him, and they fell into a dead faint. Then the angel spoke to the women. Don't be afraid, he said. I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. He has risen from the dead, just as he said would happen. Come see where his body was lying. And now go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Remember what I have told you. The women ran quickly from the tomb. They were very frightened, but also filled with great joy. And they rushed to give the disciples the angel's message. And as they went, Jesus met them and greeted them. And they ran to him, grasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Don't be afraid. Go tell my brothers to leave for Galilee, and they will see me there. And this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Lord, you are our rock and our redeemer, and it is in the name of Jesus, the risen one, that we offer this prayer. And all who agreed with it said, Amen. Miriam of Magdala, or Mary Magdalene, has a pretty amazing story, doesn't she? We're going to explore more of her life in our May series, The Women of Easter. So ladies, make sure you're back during the month of May, all right? It's all for you. Guys? show up too, but you know, it's important. We're going to talk about these women of Easter in May, but I want to look at Mary a little bit, at least her reaction to what we've experienced, what we shared this morning. We got to start though by taking note of these remarkable events that have occurred. Just a few days prior, Jesus had been led down a very narrow road, past marketplaces and doorways to homes, A road that we call today the Via Della Rosa, the way of suffering. It was and is uneven, compact, and crowded. It is a place that today that when you walk, they say, hold your hand on your wallet. They would have done that back then too. And down this road, Jesus goes to Calvary to a place called Skull Rock, where he is hung out for six or so hours on one of the cruelest torture devices ever devised by humankind. And then Jesus died. For his followers, Jesus was the promise, and now he was gone, and so was their hope 
hope, poof, gone. And he was taken down from that cross and he was placed into a tomb inside of a dark, tight, claustrophobic room with a stone slab. Jesus' lifeless body was wrapped in a cloth and laid to rest. The tomb sealed and placed under a Roman guard. Now think about that for just a second. The light of the world encased in complete and utter darkness left to decay. But early on the first day of the week, Mary and some of these other women, out of respect for a beloved family member, came to offer one last time their final farewell. But on the way, an earthquake ripped apart. The quiet morning, a messenger, an angel appeared and rolled the stone aside. And then my, one of my favorite verses, he sat on it. That's hilarious. <laughs> Was the stone tiring? An angel sits on the stone. And in this place, this messenger speaks and soldiers are terrified. They go running. Now for us, as we read this, we see an earthquake, we see an angel, we see government people and officials afraid and running. For us, these are signs that God is up to something. Don't you love it when God is up to something? But Mary, she is so consumed with her grief that she can't see that God's on the move. Anyone ever been there? So consumed with grief and loss and despair that you just can't see? The angel speaks to her. Woman, why are you crying? Her response is tears. She steps outside. Jesus, who she thinks is a gardener, says, Woman, why are you crying? And all she can say is, If you've taken my friend, please bring him back. But then, one word, everything changes for her. One word. And in this moment, this one word, she sees for the first time. What's the word? Mary. He calls her by name, Mary, and the ripples of redemption begin to just create this tsunami of revolution that continues to affect the entire world. This past week, um, I was sent an article from Kentucky Sports Radio. Now, that's probably not a shock that I don't read from that site very often. <laughs> Nothing this time? <laughs> I'm going to read from that. Bill got me in the first service on that one. <laughs> I was really glad to read this article because last weekend, any PGA fans, golf fans in the room? Last weekend, I got to see something that I didn't think I'd ever see again. I remember uh, when the kid wearing red came roaring into the PGA circuit. I can remember watching Sunday afternoons to see if Tiger was going to crush another field of golfers with some ridiculous golfing gold thing he pulled out of his pocket. I, with my best friend Dallas during seminary, we, we holed up in a room during Master's Weekend and we watched this man stare down golf immortals like Arnold Palmer and Ben Hogan and Jack Nicholas. Their records were things that we all thought, they're gone. And then it all stopped, didn't it? Tiger crashed. Tiger crashed hard. His ego, his wounds... Some of powerlessness and lust and control took him to some really dark places. It cost him his marriage, his reputation, his standing, millions of dollars in revenue, the game he loved. 
Combine that, this emotional devastation, Tiger's physical health failed him after years of, years of abuse in the gym. He couldn't swing a club. Two years ago, he could barely even make it walk without a, a shot to the Augusta dinner. Tiger was done. But last week, I watched a different man walk up the fairway to the 18th green of Augusta, and, and Tiger was back. The golf swagger, the tiger roar were there, but it was in a very different way. And how did he win? He two-putted to win. He hugged his children. He hugged his mama. He took an interview, put on that really ugly green jacket <laughs> that most all of us would love to own. And in that moment, his story came full circle. The article on KSR said that he had experienced redemption. Now, I loved every second of last Sunday's master story. And I love that this author, who's a pastor here in Lexington, used that word redemption for what Tiger was experiencing, is experiencing. Redemption is just, man, isn't it the best? Isn't, don't you just love a great redemption story? The best movies and the best books, they're redemption stories. Give me a great redemption story where someone changes their tune becomes the person we all believe that they can be, we want and hope for them to be, I'm hooked. Anybody with me? Love those stories. But the problem with all those stories is if we're not careful, even a story like Tiger's Redemption, it can make this word, redemption, a little bit sappy. It can become a little bit of a sentimental concept, a, a hallmark thing, rather than what the word really intends for us to know and see. See, redemption is an old idea. It's a legal term in the Old Testament meant to buy something or someone that was taken. Originally involved buying somebody that, or something that was taken into slavery where someone needed freedom from captivity. Freedom from chains. Redemption is this idea that a person or possession needed release from bondage. They had been bought up, twisted, and wrapped. Redemption was to bring them freedom. The Hebrews understood that being freed cost something. They called it a ransom. A ransom was paid for that freedom. And they believed that this was part of their identity as the people of God. See, they understood that a significant piece of their story, go back, Adam and Eve chose to reject God's offer of life. And as a result, they needed something to happen to restore them from their hiding and from their sin. When the Hebrews were under bondage to Pharaoh, that great story in Exodus, God offered freedom from slavery through this gift of Passover. The longing of the prophets during exile was that this people would repent from their rejecting of God, from God's ways, and experience a release from the chains of oppression. It's this ongoing story that makes up this book we call the Bible. It's a story of redemption. It's this liberation thing that the early church saw happening inside the life, death, resurrection of Jesus. A redemption being offered, one that dealt with the unholy trinity of sin, death, and the devil for all time. Think about that. Sin, death, and the devil defeated. No more. Don't have to worry about it anymore. That's a woo-hoo moment. Defeated. 
The grip is gone. To be redeemed meant that a new exodus had occurred. Even if Rome and tyranny and, 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 and terrorist attacks and bombs going off still threatens our lives, we know that the chains are gone. Exile is over because of the forgiveness of all that blocks us from walking with God in the cool of the afternoon. It's been dealt with. See, that, that's the point. That's the point that the rest of the New Testament, Paul, the early church made, the follower of Jesus has been bought with a price. The sacrifice that Christ offers on the cross, according to the author of Hebrews, was good enough for all time and for all humanity. It's a huge, huge price to pay. It's God's very self and Jesus that took on the full ugliness of sin and brokenness. Jesus' death is, was the only way that could offer freedom from the chains that you and I wear. Did you know that you potentially are wearing chains this morning? Did you know that? You're potentially wearing chains this morning? Probably are, whether you know it or don't. And the only thing that could be done to liberate us from our wounds, from our hurts, from our rebellions, from these chains that bind us up, is this act of Jesus. Author Fleming Rutledge says that, and bear with me, she's wordy, more wordy than I am. She says this, only the death of the Son at the outermost extreme of human depravity and divine self-abandonment is commensurate with the gravity and power of sin. In other words, and here's Jim's translation, only something as ghastly and awful as what happened on Good Friday could deal with the immensity of the effects of sin in your life, my life, and in creation. God bless you. Only what happened on Good Friday could deal with our brokenness. This is the price of redemption. This is the ransom that's paid. And it is released to you and I because of Easter. This is the reason N.T. Wright says that Easter Sunday is the day the revolution began. Did you know that you're part of a revolution this morning? The gift of redemption offered by Jesus' cross and empty tomb is a complete exodus, a complete freedom from slavery and oppression and chains and whatever forms we find them in our lives and those around us. It's the beginning of a new creation breaking forth, God's kingdom unleashed now in this world. And it's redemption that allows the divide to bridge us from God back home. It's because of the work of redemption that God now resides where? Here. In you and in me. That was the promise of Advent and Christmas, right? God with us. God lives in us. When Mary's eyes were opened, when her grief was shattered upon this truth that her Jesus was alive, she immediately could, uh, initially could only speak one word. She says, Rabboni, which means teacher. That's nice. Her shock gave way to amazement. She reaches to grab her teacher. And Jesus says what? Whoa. Not yet. Hold back. Now, I don't know about you, but I've always thought that was weird because just a second later, Jesus letting everybody touch him and put their fingers in holes and all kinds of crazy things. And hug them. And but right there, Mary's not allowed to even get near him. Whoa, hold up, Mary. Don't grasp onto me. Why won't Jesus allow her to be comforted right there? I think it's because she's still missing the point. 
What does she call him? Teacher. That's all she's seeing him. So Jesus tells her to do something. He says, hey, Mary, get up and go. Go, tell my disciples that I'm alive, that I'm risen, just as I told them that I was going to. And so what do we find with Mary? She's the first missionary. She's the first evangelist. She's the first preacher. She's the first to go into ministry and tell everybody else what's happening. Ladies, she's a rock star, right? She goes to the locked room and she flings open the doors and she makes this declaration. The teacher's alive. Nope. That's not what she said. The dead man's back. No, not that either. What does she say? The Lord is risen. I have seen him. Rabboni, teacher, the Lord is risen. The disciples scoff. They dismiss her. They ignore her. It's okay. They're going to get their turn shortly. But Mary is undeterred. Why? Because he's her Lord. I think Mary needed that walk from the garden back to the upper room to realize what redemption was occurring. See, in that time from garden to upper room, Jesus went from her teacher to her everything, Savior, Lord, Master, God. She had come to know, to hear and see that God had stepped into time and space and freed her, released her chains, way more than what Jesus had done on the, on the, the Sea of Galilee, on the shoreline. The grip for Mary, the grip of fear and death, the wounds she carried, the chains that held her down, the hurt, the loss of life was healed as her name was spoken. She stepped into the revolution of redemption. Beloved, this Easter Sunday, this is the good news. This is the great healing of Easter. Redemption has happened. It is happening. It will continue to ripple across the ages, offering freedom to the captive. Your exile, your wounds, your chains that you brought in here with you this morning, you don't need them anymore. The ongoing captivity to behaviors that are devastating the heart of God and those around you can be healed, have been healed. So I ask you this morning one very simple question Is he a teacher? Is he Lord? Have you heard the risen Lord, not just this teacher, not just a good man who did something that we get dressed up on a Sunday morning for, did you, did, have you heard him call your name? You, beloved, have been bought with a price. You are no longer chained. You are free and liberated to belong solely to the God who moved heaven and earth so that you will know that you are loved. You are redeemed, so get up and go. Get up like Mary did. Don't grasp on to what was. Embrace who he is, who he wants to be in your life. Get up and let the revolution take you to new places where chains need dropping. Reject the sentimental redemption stories and chocolate crosses of Easter morning. So weird. <laughs> and see what's been done. Charles Wesley wrote these words, and I've adapted them for us this morning. 
Because of Easter, because of redemption, tis mercy, all immense and free, for oh my God, it found out me and you and all of us. And in that moment, your chains have fallen off, our hearts are free, so rise, go forth, and follow. For no condemnation dare we dread, for Jesus is ours, and we are alive in him. So bold, let us approach the eternal throne. Claim the crown through Christ our own. Beloved of God, he is risen. He is risen indeed. And that means you are redeemed and free. So as you leave this place this morning, leave your chains on the floor. And go and tell. Let's pray. Oh, gracious God. Thank you that our chains are gone. Our hearts are free. Help us to rise and follow thee. Thank you for the story of redemption. Thank you for the price that was paid. Thank you for the resurrection power that now lives in and through us. That the world is dying to see. So Lord, charge each and every one of us to go and tell. Empower each and every one of us to go and tell and raise within us an expectation that redemption is still rippling through the ages.